Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're reading from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I would like to. I'd like us to read a second section of scripture uh, before we continue. So we've been we've been just walking through Colossians, and uh, we read from earlier in the letter today, just as a bit of a refresher. But really, where we are is at the end, and uh, we'll we'll wrap it up next week. But I want to read just one other passage before we continue. This is from the end of the letter, Colossians chapter four, verses seven through nine. Uh, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. This is Paul writing. Uh, Paul was uh, all, a lot of the letters in the New Testament, and he's written to this church in, uh, in Colossae. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, uh, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. I, I want to ask you just to pray with me one more time this morning. Fathers, we sit with scripture, your word to us this morning. Would you encourage us? Uh, would you speak to us where we are? Um, whatever the news of our lives might be this morning, would you meet us with the good news of the gospel that would encourage our hearts? Would the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart this morning be pleasing to you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you guys are like award show watchers. I am not, right? But there's a feature of every award show uh, that, you know, there have been, man, a feature of, of all of them. There have been some notorious ones, right? You don't have to think too hard to sort of remember some of those. Uh, but that, that moment when someone wins an award and they give the acceptance speech, right? You know what I'm talking about. You don't re probably remember too many of them, again, unless they're notorious. But uh, there's that moment where they, they, they come to the microphone and they, they, they accept the award and, then, and, and they give thanks in that moment, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? They're, you know, this doesn't happen too much in the academy, but a lot of times, sometimes on the sports field, it's like, I thank God. Right? We're like, okay, that's great. And then it's like, and, uh, you know, I thank, and then it's just a litany of names, right? Oftentimes. Sometimes it's like mom and dad or some influential person in the industry. Sometimes it's just people from their, like, particular sphere. Like, I wouldn't be here without. And then it's just, they just start listing names. And I'm curious what your reaction would be or is in that moment. Because I, I think sometimes I read passages like this one in Colossians, the same way I take in uh, those kinds of moments in an award show, which is to say I quit listening, 
right? It's like, uh, I don't know who these people are. Like, they have really no relevance to my life. Now, clearly, they were meaningful to you, and I'm happy for that expression of gratitude, but this is specific and particular to you, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like, I just wait for the next sort of presenter, right? And, and I think sometimes we, uh, this is kind of how, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you. This is sometimes how I read passages of scripture like this. Particular to the moment, certainly value and meaning for Paul, but that doesn't mean much to me. But, but I also think it's interesting to, to sit with it, because sometimes I think it does, it, it can have the opposite, in scripture anyway, the sort of opposite pull. That uh, it, whereas in, on, on the one hand, the sort of specific nature of these names creates some distance between me and the speaker. On the other hand, it kind of humanizes them, right? Like they, they acknowledge like there are people they know that ha- had a part in them getting to where they are. Like it's particular. They are, uh, you know, fleshy, if you will. There's like flesh to their journey. And I, I feel like it, uh, in Scripture in this moment, uh, when, when Paul sort of moves to these types of sections, it can, have, it can do the same thing for us. It, 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 uh, it just puts a bit of flesh on, on what's happening here. Paul is not just writing some abstract theological treatise, right? He's not trying to give us, like, let me, let me, let me jot down the doctrines of Christianity so the churches 2,000 years from now will sort of know. I mean, it's just very personal, right? These are people, in fact, he hasn't met, but through the, 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 the personal relationships of these friends he names here, he's, he's continuing to nudge them into the, the good news of Jesus. So I feel like I feel the swing of both of those when I read a passage like this. When we hear that Tychicus, Tychicus, he says, will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant, right? These are probably not words you use frequently. I don't know that I greet you this way. Maybe I should start. Jeff, hello, beloved brother, right? Like, uh, right, the, the, the words, I mean, they have meaning, but like the particulars of these words, I mean, they're beautiful, they're descriptive, and we could probably unpack uh, the particulars of all of these descriptions. But again, I just kind of want to hold them together. Here's Paul, this guy that shows up in other letters and spaces in the New Testament that has been meaningful in his life. He is entrusted with this letter to this group of people uh, that Paul himself hasn't met, knowing their faith in Christ is new, their stability in the world is perhaps fragile, and so he sends this trusted friend to, to continue or encourage them. Beautiful words, beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant. And then Onesimus, right? Onesimus. And with him, Paul says, Tychicus, yes. And with him, Onesimus. Interestingly, the same description, our faithful and beloved brother, who is, he says, one of you, who is one of you. Now, um, you, you, may, you may know this, you may not, right? But Onesimus also pops up in another letter in the New Testament, a letter that actually scholars believe was delivered with this one, right? The, the two of them together to this group of Christians. And Onesimus was a runaway slave, uh, an escaped slave, not, not, not a runaway. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to run back or there wasn't any hope of going home, right? He was trying to escape. Uh, he, he was an escaped slave. And perhaps he had heard word of the kinds of things Paul had said, like there is no slave or free in Christ, Right, that maybe he had caught themes of this somewhere along the way and for whatever reason runs to Paul, finds himself in the company of Paul and, and becomes a Christian. Right? His life changed. He leaves uh, a slave and a pagan, uh, finds Christ with, with, with Paul, and Paul does, does this slightly unbelievable thing and sends him back. 
And, and you read his story in the, in the little letter of Philemon in the New Testament. Again, these letters uh, most uh, think were, were delivered together to this group of Christians, this early church. And, and when you think about like, his story, right, uh, Paul is sending him back with the title, Faithful and Beloved Brother. More to his story you could find in Philemon, but it's just worth noting here to think about what it would mean for this community of Christians from which he had run uh, as a slave to now welcome him back on different terms. What it would mean for the, uh, his master, who was influential in the church, perhaps the church meeting in his home, right, where there'd be implications for a congregation that, that now has to welcome his former slave back in a, in a, in a different uh, way, all because of the gospel. Like, there were implications to this um, challenge or invitation from Paul. Receive Onesimus, faithful and beloved brother. Again, you know, we hear these names and, and we can sort of try to tell the story of the history. We just, we don't know a lot. We get what we find in scripture and those kinds of places and we try to sort of make sense of it. But on the one hand, it creates distance. It's like, I don't, these guys are, you know, what relevance does this have for me in Kansas City or Overland Park? Uh, but on the other hand, it, 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 it's fleshy, it's real, right? He had real relationships. He needed encouragement and he knew these people needed encouragement. I, I want to suggest we can read it Again, a, a, a respond to this, I think, a couple of different ways. On the one hand, um, to kind of keep the same imagery going, I think sometimes we read a verse like this, and we want to be like, okay, all right, this is great. Thank you, Paul. What do we got? We got faithful, uh, beloved brother. Uh, we, we got these lovely descriptions, faithful minister, fellow servant. And we're like, uh, okay, I can do those things. The church needs those people. Be those people. You. Be a Tychicus, right? Be a Tychicus. Who is the Tychicus, right? I just want to say the name as often as I can this morning. Be the Tychic. Be someone's Tychicus. I, I don't know. That could be a new slogan for a T-shirt. But, right, we, we want to take it, and, and that's commendable, and there's merit there. But, then, you know, that's an approach we often take with a passage like this. Okay, what's it mean for me to be a faithful, um, beloved brother, a servant, a fellow minister, all these things? Yes, by all means. Um, but... But I think we do the same thing, even with Onesimus, right? We're like, what's it mean for us to be a church? Uh, what would it mean for Park City to be the kind of church where uh, an Onesimus uh, would feel welcomed as a beloved brother, right? Like, uh, we, those are all commendable uh, moves. But I do think they, they sort of uh, prompt us in a direction that I, I want to prompt us in a different direction this morning. Uh, we, we hear those lists of things. We think about how can we be like that. And I do think sometimes, maybe I'm just being dramatic, it comes, it comes with a bit of pressure, right? It creates this the kind of like the way we approach this is, okay, I'm going to do these things. I, uh, we, I, we've been, I've been listening to a, a, a song in our home, which doesn't really matter, but the title of the song is Under, Under the Pressure. It's, you know, kind of dad rock, and I don't know what genre it is, but it's on repeat. I'm playing it a lot, and the kids have obviously heard it a lot because I forced them to listen to it. And, uh, but there's this long musical interlude, and they're always, like, rolling their eyes. This is so boring, and you know, the guitars, and I don't know. But uh, the, when the vocals come back in, there's this moment where, the, where he's, like, uh, it's like a, you know, live performance. He's like, under the pressure, right? And uh, my kids, like, picked it up, and just out of the blue in the last couple of weeks, uh, had just been running around, like, under the pressure, all right? Like through the house, and uh, uh, we were in the car the other day. I'm like, what is going on? But then they, I feel like they've started to say a little bit more with like some meaning. I'm like, should I be concerned? Is there like, are you experienced? Is this like coming from a deeper place that I am unaware of? And 
uh, kind of talking about, you know, what's, what's going on here. But, but I, I think sometimes we, the way we want to pick up a passage of Scripture like this comes with that kind of, of pressure. Um, and this may be not so much, but the, so what can I do to be more like this? And I, I want to I suggest a different question this morning. I want to ask what, what, uh, what, what kind of thing prompts a letter like this, right? I, what, 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 what has to happen? What, what kind of thing prompts a letter like this from a guy in a situation like Paul? Prison, right? What, 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 what has to happen? What is, this, what is the through line? What's the string that takes a guy from prison uh, that, that prompts him to write about his circumstances and all of their challenge and difficulty and connects him to whatever they hear about that experience will be an encouragement, the passage says. It will encourage your hearts. What holds those two things together? What prompts a letter like this from a guy in a place like that? Which I think is a slightly different question prompts us to hear maybe the passage a little bit differently. Let me see if I can give you some examples of what I'm talking about. So the, 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 the beautiful moment here when he sends Tychicus, he says, right, I'm going to send him to you so that, right, the language here is very specific, so, so that he can tell you how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And it's maybe not that these are two different things, but that in hearing about how we are, even in our circumstances, your heart will still be encouraged. So there's a couple of examples. I, I was reading uh, recently the story, uh, the story of Sophie Skoll. And um, maybe you are familiar with her story. There's a, a, a little work uh, called The White Rose that you can read that tells her story. Uh, but she, uh, she was an anti-Nazi activist, a German university student, an activist, a uh, nonviolent activist, a part of it, an organization, a group that her brother and some friends had formed called The White Rose. And, and they, uh, their approach was they wrote these uh, leaflets. Their conviction rooted in their faith was that, uh, that they could educate students in a way that would change uh, what was happening in their country. And so they sort of, on, you know, in secretly, they, I mean, the story is riveting. They talk about sort of hopping on trains with suitcases full of leaflets and kind of furtively going and then, you know, dropping them on a university campus and coming back with empty suitcases, the stress on the way there, the relief on the way back, all those kinds of things. And uh, their story is remarkable. But but on one of those excursions, they talk about being in one particular university, and uh, she and her brother, like, release sort of, they're, they're like, on a, I'm picking a balcony, you know, and drop these leaflets over, and a janitor sees them, and they're captured and, uh, uh, by the Gestapo and um, uh, taken to prison and ultimately executed. Uh, spends four days in the Gestapo headquarters prison and is executed as a 21-year-old. And uh, it, during those four days that she was in uh, in, in, in the prison, her cellmate uh, was another prisoner, political activist prisoner, whose name was Elsa Gebel. And, and, and she, uh, Sophie had asked her, said, will you just write my family, kind of let them know what uh, happens here, right? Would you, can you do that? For me, so in this book, The White Rose, you can read their stories. You can read uh, proceedings from the trials. You can read uh, this letter from her cellmates and others. Like uh, it's just a, a, a worth your time if it's of interest, a space that's of interest to you. But her uh, cellmate Elsa uh, said something that I think is sort of captures the feeling of what I'm trying to convey from Colossians this morning. Right, so four days in uh, in, in in prison. 
knowing that execution is inevitable. In fact, Sophie, as a 21-year-old, uh, Elsa writes, is like this, some of the guards or, or uh, prosecutors are a, a little like baffled by her because she won't take a lesser punishment than her brother. She's like, whatever my brother gets, I deserve. We did the same thing. And does it with a, a kind of calm assuredness, which you know, the others comment on in her sphere. Well, it's the last night, and they know that uh, impending the next day is a result that uh, feels inevitable. And Elsa writes this of that night uh, with Sophie. All night long, the light is kept on. And every half hour, an an, an officer comes to see that everything is still in order. My uh, uh, inclination there is to make sure she hasn't taken sort of her life into her own hands, knowing what was coming. Then she says this, right? So every night they come to check on you. Uh, or this last night they've come to check every half hour. These people have no conception of your deep faith, your trust in God. The night stretches out endlessly for me while you sleep soundly as always. Right? What, what is the through line? What connects the kind of, let me tell you about the circumstance that I'm in. With, with the, the kind of news that says, even in the midst of whatever is happening here, your hearts are encouraged. Right? It's that, it feels like a similar move to what is happening with Paul, right? Like his, he's in prison, his circumstances, doesn't know how things are going to go, and yet somehow in the midst of that is able to convey a kind of life and message that still speaks like hope and encouragement to the people who are listening. Uh, I'll give you another example. Um, Again, just to kind of help us maybe feel the move that's happening here. We were in the building on Friday night for a missions night. A few of you were able uh, to join us, and we uh, hosted four missionaries from uh, different parts of the world. A couple other churches were here uh, Friday night as well. And they uh, each set up a table, and at each table they had um, uh, food, uh, many of them food from their culture, and then talked about sort of their circumstances and what they were doing. right? And, and, and I thought, well, it was a beautiful picture of this tension. Let me tell you how we are. And at the same time, encourage your hearts. And so we heard from a chef, culinary trained chef in France, um, who described the challenges of landing in a new city in the midst of COVID, uh, described sort of some of the uh, limitations they're experiencing from the government, but yet who who works in the prisons and feeds prisoners and refugees uh, through ministries of hospitality and is uh, establishing businesses uh, so that these people who are devalued or overlooked, perhaps like Onesimus, can uh, find uh, some stable ground under their feet, right? Let me tell you how I am. These are the challenges we face, but in such a way that your heart is encouraged. There is this through line of life and hope. We heard from a family, a Bolivian family, uh, uh, multi-generational, sharing about their work. They've been in Bolivia for decades and talked about the political unrest of their country and what it's meant for them recently, but at the same time, talked about all the incredible things they're doing to teach and train uh, uh, children's ministry volunteers in their country so that a a new generation of people can know the, the grace and mystery of Christ, right? Let me, let me tell you about what's happening here, as challenging as it is, in such a way that your heart is encouraged. We heard from a, a gentleman from Northern Africa in a country that is a little bit more accessible, uh, but at the same time talked about political unrest in his location, uh, but the work they're able to do as, as they train and prepare people to step into even harder regions, uh, areas in the place in which they serve. And we heard from a couple, that's right, we heard from a couple in Southeast Asia. Been there for more than four decades. 
stories of God's grace at work, beautiful stories, and yet, right, and yet talked about the challenges of reaching groups of people who are yet un, unreached with the good news of Jesus. It was, a, I thought, an interesting image or picture of, of what, what, what is happening here with Paul, right? It's not like, oh, do this list of things like Tychicus and Onesimus. It's, let, let, me, let me help you understand what, uh, what makes the difference, that someone in a place like this could talk and speak in such a way that your heart is encouraged. Right? What connects these two? I, I want to suggest to you that, that what drives all of this is what Paul has done again and again and again and again throughout the letter. It's the mystery of Christ. He comes, he comes back to it again and again and again. And that doesn't change here now that he gets to sort of thanking his friends, right? Uh, you know, I want to thank, uh, you know, the, 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 the same move is at work here. Christ. It's what we read earlier in the service, that in Jesus Christ, right, because of him, uh, the kingdom of this beloved son, we've been transferred from darkness into light, the one in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Yes, this is what drives Paul, right? This is what fills him with hope. It's, it's this truth, right? It's, 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 it's the, the, the truth of God's grace and the forgiveness and redemption of Jesus that allows him to believe that a community like this could receive an escaped slave home, even where his former master lives and welcome him as a beloved brother. It's only on the basis of, of his and their status in Christ, right? Forgiveness and redemption, right? What, what Paul is doing here is he's pulling us back to the story, the thread that he's been weaving all throughout the mystery of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. I've been playing another song on repeat in my house. It's a Neil Young cover called Harvest Moon. Anyone? No? Harvest Moon, yes, you get the broom, like, whoosh, whoosh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, whoosh, whoosh, it's like in the, anyway, uh, it's a little mandolin outfit, you know, it's really great, it's beautiful, I recommend it, I think the, 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 the watch house is the cover, is what the, it's a great fun, but uh, again, you know, my kids got terrible taste in music, right, uh, we're listening to like trolls, and I don't know what else, and uh, yeah, anyway, um, so I'm trying to like educate them. Uh, but, but this particular song, I get the same reaction. And I, I just, I'll play it on repeat. Now that I know it annoys them, I just do it for fun, right? But every time, the, the, the way it starts is like, a, you know, you get like a one, two, three. And, and that's all they have to hear. And wherever they are in the house, ah, right? Just a hard sort of vocal eye roll. I, can I tell you something? I, I want Park City to be that kind of experience. I think that's our call as a Christian community, that we sing the same song over and over and over. The song of the mystery of Christ, who in his grace has, has closed the distance, right? Has, has done what nothing and no effort on our part can do, has, has worked life from death, the, the, the mystery of the forgiveness and redemption of our sins. Right, I, I hope. I think it's what Paul does here. Like we can read a passage like this, and like, yes, we gotta do all these things. Yes, yes, yes. But that is not, I think, the point. The point is what has to be true for someone to write a letter like this from a place like that. And to expect what he does with someone like Onesimus. It's the gospel. 
It's the good news. And I hope we sing it over and over and over again. Ad nauseum. If, you know, and, and to the extent that our reaction, like my kids, is, oh, again. God and his Holy Spirit, regardless of the level of our sort of engagement with the story of faith, maybe you've been at it for decades, maybe it's new, maybe you're inquisitive, maybe you've been hurt, wherever you are in that journey, you would hear the refrain again. All of us, all of us are dependent on the same truth, the mercy and forgiveness we find in Jesus. You may remember, I think we've referenced it, another award ceremony. It was Jim Carrey, 2016. Uh, Golden Globes. He goes, oh, yeah, I remember that one, right? I saw the, no, okay. Uh, but Jim Carrey, I think he, uh, I don't think he, I think he's like, you know, introducing a category or, uh, you know, a cont- not contest, not contestants. What do you call them? Uh, nominees? Nominees, that's the word. And he gets up and this is what he says. Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know when I'm going to sleep at night. I'm not just a guy two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey, going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dreams. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey, because then I would be enough. Because then I would be enough. It would finally be what, what, what do we take away from a moment like this in Scripture? Tychicus, Onesimus. Maybe we check out. Maybe we think, oh, God, I need to level up, right? Help me to be a better, faithful, all these things. But I wonder if really, I wonder if really we're just invited into the same story that caught them up as well. That we will never be enough. Never. We will never be enough. But the good news of the gospel is that the redemption and forgiveness of sins has been worked by another on yours and my behalf. The one who takes the news of where we are, whatever the circumstances of life that you're in, and somehow through his gracious work does something that works encouragement, life, hearts, strength which I suppose, in closing, raises a slightly different question this morning. How are things with you? If you were to write a letter, how are things where you are? Are you perhaps this morning a heart in need of encouragement? Paul, through the work of Tychicus and Onesimus and others, would say to you and me, look here. Look here, not not at what they have done. Look here at Christ and his work on your behalf. Will you guys stand with me? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.